Jabronis, we're back. And it's been like a, a weird, wild week. Emotional roller coasters. New York governor's resigning. A whole bunch of shenanigans going on. Too much to talk about, honestly, but I do want to hit some quick points that uh, that what might be of interest to you to the junction today, uh, and then we'll get into it. First, I have to mention, because I know uh, the president of Emory Riddle is probably listening to this because he's an avid viewer, I'm sure, but Emory Riddle, that piece of trash college that I unfortunately call my alma mater down in Daytona, uh, this put out this release on their Instagrams and their Facebook page to brag about these new, uh, like, I don't know if they're called riddle robots or what the fuck they are. Sorry, Terrence family show, but they're delivery robots for people to order food, to have the robots wheel and deal their food to them on campus. And the whole premise of the brag was about, Oh, you know, when students are in a pinch, they can call, these robots and they can deliver food anywhere on campus for them. It's super easy and all this other shit. And what was wild were that there was a number of students commenting on like, what a great idea this is, this and that. Couldn't believe it. The tuition money that goes into this school from each student, hundreds of thousands of dollars that each student has to pay and that's what they're doing. I mean, if you do any sort of digging whatsoever on like the website or like the bitches and complaints on Facebook groups of the student population, none of their complaints or suggestions are being responded to or answered. That's how they answer. They want a parking garage to students so that they don't have to park in Bumblefuck Daytona to go to to go to class. They respond by giving them riddle robots so they can get their food delivered. Because on campus, it's a hundred feet from the student food center or whatever the hell they call the cafe gymatorium over to the buildings to go to classes. So they need the riddle robots out there to give them their food so that they can maintain their flight sim autopilot. Unbelievable. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of tuition, and that's what it goes into. That and the president's million-plus-dollar salary, and to and I'm sure the lawyers who have to deal with the lawsuits going on because of the student center that they built, the billion-dollar student center they had built, or however much it cost, that they cut corners on, and people are suing now because of injuries and other bullshit. Because the school's garbage. It's a racket. It's a scam. And this is what they do. They try to pull the wool over your eyes with the riddle robots. Meanwhile, they're continuing to wheel and deal, hide in the lawsuits, stealing your tuition money to pay salaries of the admin team. It's a goddamn racket. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. And I wish I wasn't the only one being this vocal about it. It's embarrassing. It's an absolute joke. Anyway, speaking of jokes... This week, they had the Field of Dreams game. <laughs> now, anybody who knows anything about me knows my favorite movie in the world is Field of Dreams for a number of reasons I won't get into right now. 
So they had the game at the actual field. There wasn't the, the specific field from the movie. They built another one. I thought they were they bastardized the original field and did a whole bunch of shit to it, but they didn't. They built a separate one out into the corn. Uh, so they they double dug into the corn crop to make two fields now there. But it was the Yanks versus the White Sox. The Yankees shit the bed in so many different ways. Like I couldn't be more embarrassed for a sports team or to be a fan of a sports team this year to begin with. But man, did they shit the bed? It was an otherwise actually a decent game, a decent event. I was surprised. Again, I thought they they dicked up the the original feel from the movie and bastardized it and ruined it. And I thought it lost its appeal originally. But then I realized that they put a separate field up. And the original is intact. So that was good. I was wrong on that. So that's my bad for being a little bitch boy about that. But anyway, the Yankees go up in the early in the game. 3-1. They go up with a home run. They respond by giving up another th- like three runs, four runs to go down. Then at the end of the game, they come back to take a 8-7 lead, an 8-7 lead at the at the top of the ninth. Two home runs, catch them up to, to take the lead. You think it's finally over. And the bottom of the ninth, they give up a two-run bomb to the White Sox and shit the bed again. And I know nobody gives a shit but me and, like, maybe the creature who's a Yankees fan and, and the wet cat who's also a Yankees fan. But it's just so frustrating to see a team that's so... Loaded with talent on paper, not Brett Garner. He's he's the, the most overrated, overpaid baseball player in the game right now, I want to say. But the rest of the team is pretty, on paper, they should be undefeated with their bullpen and the the batting talent. Again, on paper, they should be undefeated and they're ab- abysmally abysmally subpar and and in just an absolute joke in the league right now uh, and I can't understand what the what the upper management is thinking with their tactics here their coach is a wet sock their GM is is I don't know what the hell he's thinking all he cares about is home runs doesn't give a shit about the team strikes out a hundred times each player a hundred strikeouts just absolutely despicable. And then to ruin an otherwise good event, whatever, I'm done bitching about it. It's super frustrating. I know nobody else cares about it but me, and that's fine. So that's why I bitch about it when I'm talking to myself here right now, just me and the mic. Anyway, before one more thing before we move on. This is important now. I want to, on behalf of all Italian-Americans in the Northeast area, I want to apologize for Andrew Cuomo and his remarks and his behavior and his excuse. Because if anybody was was paying attention at all to things this past week, uh, mayor or governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, former governor, uh, responded to his sexual assault and abuse charges by saying he's not a pervert. He's just Italian. He doesn't assault women. That's just how Italians are. That's how they respond to people or or greet people or interact with people culturally. And now I'm apologizing 
not for him, but I'm apologizing on behalf of the rest of us who know that's bullshit. First of all, this guy is diddling women in his office and, and wielding his power to try to get what he wants out of chicks by touching them and groping them and being sexually inappropriate and doing actual illegal things, aggressive things. And then he tries to use the excuse, oh, I'm Italian. That's just how we do it. No, it's not. We don't go around grabbing people, grabbing chicks below the equator like that. We're not assaulting women. That's not part of our culture. A contrary to popular belief, apparently. We're not all out there just diddling women and, and trying to wield our power. That's not the Italian-American way. And it was, again, another embarrassment to see this guy not take responsibility for his obvious illegal actions and using that as an excuse. Just ridiculous. I couldn't believe he said it, too. And then he put up this montage of pictures of him in public kissing and feeling up and, and touching on all these different people. Like he was saying, like, oh, this is see how this is just how I am. Like, that's an excuse. Just because that's how you are doesn't mean it's right. Being a creep is not correct. So you're throwing up just evidence, damning yourself even further, you moron. I don't want to be associated with that. And this says, I don't care about the political, his political views or opinions or how he led or didn't lead the, the state of New York. I'm just talking about from an Italian-American perspective, this guy's a joke. He's a pockmark. And he's trying to he's trying to hide behind his culture, which is bullshit. And I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be associated with that guy or his nipple rings or his touching or anything else that he's done in the past year and a half. The guy's an absolute joke. He's despicable. He ought to be ashamed of himself. That's it. That's all I got for the the beginning admin news report update. We're done. We got more important things to talk about, like the cage fact. So let's uh, step into the cage. Okay, let's run. All right. Today's Into the Cage segment is proudly sponsored by Muff Divers Winter Hunting Muffs. Deer and elk hunting seasons are right around the corner, folks. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you're out there on a hunt and your hands get cold and you have no winter muff to shove them in to get warm. Well, fear no more because Muff Divers now offers custom camo hunting muffs so your hands stay warm and ready to pull that trigger during hunting season. So to get your hands deep into a custom muff today, call 1-900-MUFF-DIVE and use the promo code SHOCKER for 3% off your first muff. Now, being a guy who has gone out hunting, I say that purposefully because I have yet to have a successful hunt bringing an animal back to, to cook and feed my family of one. But being out there on a hunt, I know firsthand the importance of that winter muff. You need that additional to gloves in the wintertime, especially if you're up in the north like I was in South Dakota. 
The gloves keep you sort of warm, but your fingers are still kind of cold because they're separate from the rest of your, you know, you know, unless you have mittens, which you don't want to hunt with. You need to get your hands into a muff and warm and ready for the fight to pull back on that that bow or to that rifle trigger, what what have you. And uh, I'm just glad that Muff Divers is now uh, supplying that custom for hunters because we were, you know, you had to scrap for to get your own hunting muff. You had to make your own practically, and that's no way to live. Anyway, the cage fact. Very interesting fact. Uh, I don't know how many people of you, how many of you people, how you doing, uh, have heard this before, but back in 2017, Nick Cage was awarded by this Chinese awards show. It's like their Oscar equivalent. I forgot what it's called. Huang Ding or something like that. That's not like a joke. That's what it's called. I just don't know how to pronounce it. That's not I'm not just making some stupid joke about Chinese awards shows. So he won the let me get this right. The best global actor award in 2017. So for China, that award means you are the best actor in the whole world. He won the Best Actor in the World Award in 2017. And if and if you were surprised or shocked by that at all, you really ought to be ashamed of yourself because I've been doing nothing but providing endless facts after facts after facts proving his worth and his, his cinematic prowess and capability. Uh, so I wasn't surprised at all to learn about that. Um, so good on him. That was 2017. That was after a lot of those other uh, less than desirable movies came out that he was in. So congratulations, Nick. Uh, you you earned it. And that's the cage fact. So you're welcome, I guess. Now, speaking of Italians, go on to the junction, spin the logo up. We got a bit of a tomato travesty going on here. What I mean by that, as most of you know, I've been growing tomato plants indoors, cultivating some tomato plants uh, for quite some time now, trying to get trying to get tomatoes, you know, to make sauce, gravy, what have you, whatever you want to call it. Now. I was way late to the game. I'm going to caveat that. I'm going to admit that I was way late to the game. What you want to do, especially if you're growing tomatoes from seeds to plants, what you want to do is start in like February indoors with good temperature control, humidity control, proper UV sunlight situation so that they're growing and protected from the elements and they can they can uh, uh, prepare accordingly. You can get them ready for the wild. I was not able to do that. If you remember what I was doing back in February, besides being a sad, depressed sack of shit, I was out fighting the war on the beaches. The 21st century D-Day out there with no ability to cultivate plants no tomato growing for me. We were out there sacrificing day in and day out to make sure that everybody else was, was free and alive and available to cultivate and make their own tomato plants. 
So that's where I was in February. So I couldn't start on time. I started late. That's fine. I understood that starting late meant working harder, potential for, for no tomatoes this year. But I was not going to just give up that easily. That's not what we do here in the LPDS world. We don't just give up. We stay strong. And we persevere and we endure. So that's what I tried to do. So I get these things in their, in their little containers with the fresh soil. I put little fly traps on so the indoor fungus flies or whatever they're called, fungus gnats, don't ruin the plants. Water them. I got the UV light, and we're going weeks and weeks and weeks, getting these things prepped and ready to go, taking care of them, feeding them, talking to them, teaching them about life, giving them the, big, the lessons on the big three, all the, all the stuff needed to ensure that your tomato plants are ready for the wild and ready to go. Finally, last week, LPDS Sunday, they were essentially ready to be outside. Now, were they really ready? I don't know for sure. Well, we may never know. Because I was so late in the game, I had to take a chance they were smaller than I would have liked, but if I waited any longer, there was then going to be no tomatoes, and, uh, and that's no way to live, folks. So I had to make the decision. It was a command decision to get the tomatoes out there and to do what I could to protect them and, and, and get them ready to uh, produce, if you will. So Sunday, I'm out there. I'm tilling the ground. I got a little couple of like plots of dirt out in the yard there in the compound. So I'm digging it up, getting, getting the ground loose. I put chicken wire fence around first layer. And there needs to be two layers if the plants grow because it's on a bit of a hill and the deer will eat the plants. Uh, even though the tomato leaves are poisonous to deer, they don't care. They're animals. That's what they do. They're savages. They'll eat them anyway. So I put layer one up. And then I started digging. I got 12 tomato plants, okay? And each individual little plant, I dug in the ground. I put a little stake in. And I put these little, like, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a rope or yarn or whatever they call it. Not yarn. What the hell is the word? Twine. That's it. Nailed it. I didn't, it was this little thin wire, like arts and crafts wire that you can get at Michael's Craft Shop. I got that because it's lighter. It's a little bit more. Uh, malleable and you can you have a little bit more control when you're dealing with with tiny malnourished plants these are preemie plants here these are premature couple weeks you know very young in the game should should not have been out there probably so i had to make sure i tried to set them up for success as best as possible i got these little wires to keep them on the stakes so that they're still upright so that they grow up instead of growing down and dying on me uh, because you don't want them laying in the dirt. So that's what we did. All day, all day Sunday, I made sure I took my time with it and got them in. I got 12 plants. I got six on the top level of the plot, six on the bottom. Got the chicken wire with the door built in. I de-shirted so I could get the UV so I can work on the tan a little bit. And it was a good preparation Sunday. I felt real good and confident that these plants were ready to rock and roll and ready to take on the world as adults. Not 24 hours later, not 24 full hours later, 
the worst storm. And I'm not just exaggerating. The worst storm that I've experienced in, in my time in the D.C. area hits the very next day, just floods the entire area. It was so bad, you couldn't see five feet in front of your face looking outside. It was sheets of water, like I was on the other side of a waterfall trying to look through it. The worst storm. Drowning and waterboarding my damn plants. The, not one day later. And just when I thought, okay, that's one day they could survive. It, it ended by the time I got home from work. It was over. They didn't look too battered and beat up. Maybe they can make it through. The next day, it was the second worst storm in D.C. history during my time here. Again, sheets of water raining down onto my damn plants. Crushing them. Crushing them. And all I could, all I could do was sit there and watch it happen. And if you think that was it, because I thought that was it. I thought that was there's no way that the big man upstairs, Santa Claus, is going to see all that hard work I did, all the sacrifices I made, knowing I had to start late because I was fighting war. Knowing all that information, all the work that went into it, there's no way he's going to drop a third storm. Wrong. Incoming third storm. Unbelievable set of events that, that those next three days. I couldn't believe it. I was crying. I called my mother to cry to her about all the work that was done on these damn tomato plants just to watch them get beaten and battered and tortured. They looked like they were getting waterboarded, like they were ISIS infiltrators getting waterboarded at Guantanamo Bay or something. It was an absolute travesty to watch this happen. It was like in Billy Madison, that scene where his buddy at the party is hosing down that kid and there's nothing the kid can do, just sitting there wearing it. And he's telling, please stop. And it's not happening. It was like that, except not funny. It was sad because all the work that was put into it, all the support that the junction provided, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming in that. I'm just sitting there watching these plants die and get drowned. And all I can think about is, I mean, all that work, all the support from the junction for this. They didn't even get a full day to try to live on their own. They just got absolutely tortured and abused by the big man in red immediately as they stepped foot into the wild. And what was it's, it, it was just like it was like you're sending your kid off to college thinking, oh, man, I just spent 18 years teaching this little piss pants how to live, how to think for themselves, how to be independent, all this stuff, getting them ready for the while for the outside world, all the work that goes into that. Hoping there's the only thing you can do now. You open the door and you kick them out. And the only thing after that is to hope 
that they retain some of the lessons and that they're ready to take on the world. That's all I was left with, with that hope. And I put them out there and bang, they just got ass raped three days in a row. Prison ass raped three days in a row like you couldn't believe. And there was nothing that could be done. There was no other way to better prepare these poor bastards for the wild. And that and then that's how they were rewarded for their survival skills. They were rewarded with torrential downpours. Noah couldn't didn't even want to stop his stupid arc to pick these plants up. He's like, nope. See, there, there's no saving these bastards. And it was just absolutely heartbreaking. And, and on top of that, I wish I had a picture of it because it was as laughably sad and embarrassing as you can possibly imagine. I'm sitting there sulking and like sad and hunched down like a beta bitch boy looking at these dead plants. And these plants are hanging on to their stake look like on the wires they're hanging they're drooping over the little wire ties that i had them on on the stake like look they looked like plant jesus christ 12 jesuses in my garden hanging down for three straight days of torture on the cross crying the the, the blood and the water dripping down the leaves there's nothing that can be done no, everyone's just sitting there watching JC die. All 12 Jesuses just slowly wither away and die. It was the saddest, saddest thing that you could possibly see knowing all the work and sacrifices that went into this damn tomatoes. And I don't know if anyone can relate to it. I don't know who's got gardens, who does this shit for a living who has any sort of Italian-American uh, family members that do this stuff. Uh, but, you know, it really hits home when you, when you work and work and work and build to prepare for success, and it just gets shit on for no reason whatsoever. There is no reason for that, completely uncalled for. And I, got, I had 12 Jesus Christ tomato plants hanging down, sad and sullen, it just said Inri across all the 12 stakes in the garden. But like JC, the hope, the LPDS way is to endure, to never give up, never quit, to stay strong. So the hope is that these plants stay strong like the LPDS, like the Jabroni Junction, like J Jesus Christ himself, and survive. Three days later, they got to survive, just like the book said it. The good book says it. Hopefully, they'll rise again. That's why I didn't touch them. I didn't put them in. You know, I didn't pull the, the plants out of the ground. I didn't call it. I didn't call their deaths. No time of death. Nothing like that. They're still there. I tried to prop them up a little bit so they're not just hanging over the wire looking all sad and embarrassing on the crosses there, on their sad tomato crosses. So I will keep you posted. All hope is not lost. It was a tomato tragedy, 
but it's it's not a tomato funeral just yet. Now, the percentages that there's actually going to be tomato growth and there's going to be sauce here in the junction in the LPDS community, very slim to none. The chances are low. 5% at best, 5% at best. But if there's 1% chance, if there's 0.1% chance, I'm going to explore it. I'm going to, I'm going to work for that. I'm going to try to take advantage of that percentage. That's what we do here. No matter the odds, you work and you push and you push and you endure. So the message, I guess, to you guys is if you got anything going on in your lives that look like a tomato tragedy and all hope is lost, don't lose it. Just don't lose it. I promise you, don't lose it. You might, it might not be, you know, it might not work out in the end. A lot of times that shit doesn't work out. The odds of these tomatoes even surviving and then growing tomatoes like actual plant, uh, fruit, vegetable, whatever the hell the tomato is on the plant itself in the next couple weeks before winter comes, very slim to none. But because there is a chance, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your family, you owe it to the tomato plants to keep them out there, keep them watered, keep them sunned, get the UV, protect them, get them get them back up and running. Give them a fighting chance, goddammit. So whatever you got going on in your lives this week in life in general, that's been going on for a while and hope is, is slim. Grasp onto it. Get your hooks into that little bit of hope and keep pushing to the right and enduring whatever you got to do. If you saw these tomato plants on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you would have thought it was over. It was a, an absolute flora massacre, like, like, I mean, like you've never seen before. But Thursday, Friday, you see that glimmer of hope. They're not dead yet. And now I'm, cl- now I'm clenching onto that little bit. There's the possibility of success still, and I'm and I'm uh, holding on to it for dear fucking life, and that's what you guys got to do too. If these tomato plants can do it, if they can grasp on, they can hang from the cross and still breathe and live and survive. So could you guys. That's the message. The moral of the story today is a Italians aren't all rapists and creeps. It's not part of our culture, and b. If you any hope, any chance of survival and success and happiness or anything like that, grasp onto it and ride that train all the way through to the junction of success and happiness. And that's all I got today for the junction. But before we go, big three. Number one, exercise every day, no matter what. Super important. Just do it. I mean, I don't know how many times I have to tell you why it's important for you physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but go back to any other episode previously and I'll give you the spiel exercise every day. It's, it's vital. Number two, the hardest one to do. Don't be a shitty person. Don't be a, a troll on Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks, a virtual signaler, a guilt tripper, 
don't seriously do that stuff. If you're busting balls with your friends, that's one thing that's very usually very obvious when you're busting chops. But when you're just being a shitty person to make a point or just to get on your high horse or to feel good about yourself, and it, it never works. You never feel good about yourself being shitty to another human being. It never works. Even if that person is the biggest piece of garbage in, the, in human history and they actually deserve it, you still don't feel better about yourself. You don't. So think about that. Don't do it. Number three, most important, be genuinely thankful and grateful for all the good you guys have in your lives. Uh, that is something that uh, I cannot overstate enough how important that is and how much that way of thinking, that brain culture that you're cultivating inside of you is so, so vital to your, your happiness and success and, 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 and less stressful lives in general. I don't know what, I don't know why I explained that like such a dickhead, but be thankful and grateful for everything good in your lives. You will be a better person for it. The people around you will be happier and better for it as well. Your life will be better for it. And then all three of those big three connect. They always connect. It's a circle of life, if you will. Thank you guys for listening today. I think it was a short one. I, again, I don't know what the time is on this. Hopefully it was short. I didn't just flap my gills for no reason. So... Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tell your friends and comment and provide feedback and uh, spread the good word. And, and let's keep this train going. Let's keep the junction moving. Thanks again for the thousandth time. I love you all. Stay strong. Stay strong.